Hey, it's Amino Hassan, and you're listening to the Sun Solar Panel Podcast. We have Mr. Dave King, managing editor of Bright Side of the Sun. YouTube. All right. We also have Mr. Greg Esposito. He used to do something for the Suns. Now he's just a dude with a microphone and a podcast and webcam. A really nice webcam too. Uh, I'm Tim Tompkins, by the way. Uh, Greg and I both upgraded our webcams because we uh, appreciate the quality. It actually looks like I'm recording in 1956. I love it. <laughs> it's like, what's this webcam you guys speak of? All right, Lon, shut up. <laughs> so, yes, we are a Phoenix Sun show. Uh, there has been some Phoenix Suns-ish things to go on around the league this week uh, that are positive. I figure we'd start out with that because there's not a lot of positivity around the Suns right now. Channing Fry has announced that he is going to uh, retire in his five seasons with the Suns. 2009 to 2014, he averaged 11.6 rebounds, one block per game, shooting 39% from three on five attempts. For this team, that'd be like superstar. <laughs> I mean, for <clears throat> for that team, it basically was the superstar. I mean, if, if he would have, if his peak would have been, you know, like right around now in the NBA, imagine the impact he would have had. I mean, he was he straight up a a, a Brook Lopez style uh, player, but yeah, him and uh, actually Lopez is Channing Fry style, but it's been so long since Channing was that guy for Steve Nash. People forgot. Channing, Channing's all time great good guy too. It was unfortunate the uh, the, the heart he condition came up. Uh, at, oh. Well, the heart condition and then the way he was treated. That was uh, yeah. Overall, it was just unfortunate. I, I wish Channing nothing but the best. I hope he uh, uh, finds something in retirement that uh, that he'll enjoy. Uh, I, he had all time great podcaster too like the road tripping with him and richard jefferson he's got he's got options in retirement so i'm i'm happy for him and uh does he uh, drink wine in his podcast oh Isn't they that a big it, thing for him they, they have fun on their podcast unlike here they enjoy themselves so well, we're doing this uh, at 7 a.m so it's <laughs> it's not like this is wine and beer time but i guess we could change up our lifestyle that would be funny if you guys were drinking 7 a.m. just showing up. One of one of the guys I used to podcast with used to smoke like weed while we were podcasting. And well, you're it, on the vaping. You're vaping. Yeah, there's a big difference between smoking weed and vaping. All right, uh, I'm just getting my ah. nicotine fixed because I've had a hard time kicking nicotine my entire life. Right, but this guy he we record at like eight or nine o'clock in the morning, and he'd be smoking pot while we're recording, and it would make me so angry. Was he Bill would Walton? You- I'm not gonna. <laughs> I'm would not you gonna get play. high. Would, would you I? get high from the secondhand smoke? Yeah. Dave, how old are you? It's not like he's. <laughs> it comes if... through the webcam or yeah, the mic. Yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> it would just make me so mad because you know you you put a lot of pride into your work and uh, nothing against pot, it's fine. But then you know people's takes while they're high sound like they're high making basketball takes. <laughs> <laughs> You know, can I also say that I was so I was watching the uh, glorious Pelicans game and they they cut to Eddie Johnson and he took a sip of his drink and let me just say that was not water. Hey, <laughs> hey, you leave Eddie alone. I'm sure it was just tea or apple juice or something yeah. like that. You uh-huh. say that about Tom Chambers, I might nod in agreement, but you say that about Actually, Eddie, I say you leave him alone. I, I saw a little clip of the pregame uh, and they had the Dos Equis beer cans lined up because that was a sponsor, you know, the sponsor of the pregame show and stuff, you know, they've been drinking those things. Well, you know, that's a, that's great genius there by uh son's uh, marketing partnerships. When uh, you put the guy who's been arrested from D for DUIs with a bunch of beer cans in front of him in the pregame show. Well, he was probably going to have beer cans with him anyway. So <laughs> nothing. No, Tom, no, nope, I'm not making any judgments, Tom. And I'm then, not making judgments either. I'm saying just don't put the guy where where it's a bad look for him. You know. And uh, in other Suns news around the league, sort of Suns-ish news, Eric Bledsoe signing a four-year, $70 million contract with the Bucks. I was just thinking, man, to be the most average point guard, that guy has made so much goddamn money. The only thing average. I thought of when I saw that is 
Malcolm Brogdon, come on over. <laughs> I think the Bucks come can afford to, over, to keep come everybody, on but over, yeah, I mean, really, um, you think they can afford to keep everybody? I, I, I don't think. I, I, well, they have they have rights on everyone, so they can re-sign everybody they have. Uh, they had sixty-seven million in cap space, if I remember off the top of my head. That Eric Bledsoe signing takes off what fifteen, sixteen. They still have to keep yeah, Chris I Middleton. Know they have rights on everybody, but there's there's a that's expensive. And then you get into luxury tax. Right. Well, they are the number one team in the league. Uh, yeah. So that that totally convinces every owner to overspend on on the future. Mm. Unless you're Robert Sarver. <laughs> no, actually, most owners won't do that. I mean, that's why you see half the trades at the trade deadline is to get people under a luxury tax threshold. Well, we'll see. Maybe maybe they uh, decide that they don't want Malcolm Brogdon and uh, the Suns can take him. I think that there was a time in which the Suns could have just drafted someone like a Malcolm Brogdon. doesn't matter. Uh, there was a time. The Suns s- got Devon Reed, I think. Oh, is that the, was that the draft? I think so. Oh yeah, hold on. Right? Right? Maybe I'm wrong. We're not. E- we're not even going to comment on Eric Bledsoe. You're just going to throw out that you think he's <laughs> average and has made too much money, and then we move on. <laughs> yeah, like, he what has is made this? a what lot is this of crap. Money. Four years, seventy million is not astronomical for a guy who has impact like Eric Bledsoe. Right now, we would kill for a guy like Eric Bledsoe on the Suns, a a serviceable point guard. Oh. Who would have guessed? Oh, actually, man. When Eric Bledsoe was here, he was disdained just as as much as any other Suns player, if not more. I'm not saying he wasn't upset about certain things here, but he played well at least. Yeah. We don't have anybody that played Until the well end. from point guard. Well, uh, he was he was it, okay at, at that point. I mean, what kind of success point, did he really bring the team? Uh, to be perfectly honest. Okay, well, true. you could argue that about Devin Booker right now. I. Th- Believe so I have. Just, has been. <laughs> you, you could argue that about anybody that's been on this roster in the last ten years. All right. So that I mean, fifty-five and players now, have been Devin Booker's teammates. Alvin Gentry won up that. He's like, I've had sixty-six in my tenure with the Pelicans <laughs> around <laughs> Anthony Davis. So uh, <laughs> a lot of teams have a lot of turnover. If we have time, can we talk about the difference in team building between the Pelicans and the Suns? Uh, and by difference, you mean. The Pelicans have a superstar and the Suns don't. Because I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that. I, in fact, I would probably count. I would probably point to more similarities between team building around their stars and differences. But yeah, well, uh, obviously coming up short around the superstars. uh, If if you count Devin Booker as a guy to build around, I'm not calling him a superstar. But if you count him as a guy to build a roster around, like the Pelicans did around Anthony Davis, there's a basic difference on how the Suns to date have tried to build their team, uh, which is the Suns tried to do it through the draft. And, you know, starting a number of 19-year-olds a year ago and now starting a number of 20 and 21-year-olds this year um, is not the best way to get wins around your superstar that you're trying to develop into a superstar in Devin Booker. Um, In New Orleans, their game was not the draft. Their game was actually signing restricted free agents and young-ish uh, free agents like uh, Etwan Moore and uh, Solomon, Solomon Hill. Hill and guys like that. That was their shtick. Their, their Dell Demps's plan was actually to get those 23, 24, 27-year-old uh, glue guys from other teams. Um, he just, he, his problem, part of the problem was Drew Holiday wasn't healthy enough when they were trying to do this. Uh, Drew was out for for a lot of a couple of years, I think. And, um, but it just never worked for Dell Demps. And what I think is interesting is that now James Jones wants to do that this summer is get those 23 to 25 to 27 year old guys in free agency. And if you're going to get them in free agency, you're going to overpay them. And, uh, you run the risk of, of failing that way too. It's all, you know, you got to get the right guys. Obviously you got to do something to get the right guys. But I just wanted I just want to point out that um, it's about finding the right guys. It's not about having a plan, and that plan will always work. Um, so I do worry about the Suns going for the mid-career free agents this summer in free agency because you have to give them a contract and you have to build outbid other teams. Well, at least they have a full staff of talent evaluators that are going to help James Jones determine which guys he should go after, right? I think he said on the radio this year, 
this week. He's got ten plus scouts. Oh, right. So they well, hire sc- nine- scouts. Scouts are different. I, and uh, he did say that not to worry about not having the scouts. They have YouTube. Did he? He did. Uh, they're wait, using. He technology. actually said that. <laughs> no, he <laughs> said they're using technology. The, no, you could literally tell me he said that. I'd believe you. <laughs> That's the thing. That's where we are. He Is also that that... said they sit in the fourth row instead of the twelfth row. <laughs> so they have like, a better vantage point. They're closer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I kind of like the 12th row because you can see all 10 guys. Fourth row is is a bit low. See, I'm just excited that they hired nine scouts this week. The thing is, they're they're (laughs) part-time. They they work for other teams, too. Ten plus. Oh, they aren't real scouts. Well, he did have have a good point that Ryan McDonough had about 50 billion scouts and they ended up still picking the wrong guys in most drafts. But that doesn't mean that you it's okay. The, okay, so the thing about that is I give up. is well, while it's true Ryan McDonough missed on a lot of things and this is not a Philly reference, there is value in the process. And if your process is right, your results might be. If your process is wrong, your results will never be right. My head wants to explode with all that. Is he literally employing the George Costanza? I'm just gonna do the opposite plan here. Is that yeah, is that really what James? He's jo- probably gonna hire Dell Demps as a as a, a consultant. I mean, like, did he really just go? Well, you know, McDonough had scouts, and that didn't work. So he literally go, said that. I'm gonna go the, the opposite this week. Oh, for yeah. God's sake! I, but they sit closer. Is, they sit closer. I. They when could they sit, on, sit there, they sit closer. They literally could sit at center court for all I care. It's not going to help them. Like, <laughs> oh, my gosh. No, no wonder Woj is reporting things like the NBA is concerned, all right? Like, we've been concerned for the whole year. I'm glad the NBA's finally caught up with us. Yeah. Sons are a concern. <laughs> we've been concerned for about seven years. This did you true. see me post my before and after pictures last night on, oh, on yeah. Twitter? I did. I, me, the last time the Suns were in the playoffs versus me now, it's disgusting. I've, I've, <laughs> I've seen the progression before my own eyes. It is disgusting. I can <laughs> I can assure you of that. Don't worry. I was so much younger and better looking last time God. the Suns won the playoff game. Yeah, I, I, I can't even remember that. Sorry, yeah, <laughs> I, it's Tim's idea to do YouTube. I try to stay out of the spotlight as much as possible. Seriously, I I can't help. Uh, it takes a lot to get me speechless, but this whole thing at this point just has me going. Really, you, this is where we're at. This is you, this is this is the the plan. Uh huh. Really, I don't think you know what speechless means. Well, okay, okay, flustered, flummoxed. Is those better? <laughs> flabbergasted flabbergasted there's a million of those that we could go down but i you look at it and i just how does this make any sense it doesn't make sense like james i'm sure james jones is a very nice guy uh he was very smart in where he chose to play in his career and had very much uh had had a lot of success in that and and more power to him but right now I don't know how anybody can feel confident going into an off season that that this is where you're heading and where you're trying to to fix something that is inherently broken and this is the answer to do it. Well, I have I have a I have a hot take. Good. Could it be that James Jones is not the problem? Oh yeah. That, definitely. That he's covering for is, somebody else? Yeah, <laughs> somebody above James Jones might be the common denominator <laughs> on this team. Oh, hold on. We we all agree on that. I'm just talking about the specific, <laughs> we don't need scouts and we're going to do this through free agency uh, stance. Are, are you trying to insinuate that Robert Sarver went, you know what? I don't want to spend any money on scouts. So <laughs> sell this to people for me. Yes. <laughs> Is yes. that really what's going on in James Jones? James Jones should have said, you know what? 
I'm glad you offered me this. Robert Sarver is paying right? all those salaries for the rest of the season. He's not going to double pay if he doesn't have to. Yeah, dude, James Jones so is literally showing up to like grocery stores to buy people beer to clean up the mess of this team. I just, I don't think it's James Jones. Imagine how long those people in line had to wait for them to realize, A, Josh Jackson ain't showing up, and B, call James Jones on the phone and ask him to come down to talk to someone. Okay, first off, how many times? And I then only was... after that did Josh Jackson say, oh, hey, yeah. Uh, did you want me to over there, actually? Uh, how you many... know the Suns have actually tried to get a hold of him, and he was ignoring them. Mm-hmm. How many people do you actually think were at a fries waiting for Josh Jackson? You I act... saw pictures online. There yeah. was at least five. There's, there's uh, a, there was a good amount of people. I feel sorry for those five people. No, there was, there was a good amount of people. Right? But but regardless, the, the point isn't how many people are waiting in line for Josh Jackson. What I'm saying is James Jones has to go around this goddamn team cleaning up messes all day, and then we yell at him when he's probably just doing... Uh, he can only uh, control like what he can control. Oh, well, he can... Okay. <laughs> Robert so Sarver is the damn problem here. Robert Sarver isn't letting him or any other GM that's been in place do their job... And we always blame the, blame the 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 person who's speaking. I get it, and I totally one hundred percent get that. And I know for a fact Ryan McDonough had to talk around things that uh, that Robert Sarver was doing and try to make sense of them and put him in a bad and, position. And Lon Babby prob- before yeah. him. And it's probably happening with James Jones as well. But you know what? James Jones doesn't need the money. He made enough money in his career. Just tell Robert Sarver to take a long walk off a short pier and quit if if you're if you're not getting to implement something you believe in. Don't sit there and lie through your teeth for somebody like that. Just James, quit. James doesn't know what he believes in right now. It's his second year in the NBA front office after just playing on the end of a bench for five years. These jobs okay, are but- hard to get. But he can't legitimately think having no scouts and no prep work for uh, for a draft and for a free agency process is really the way to go. If he does, he is the problem. If he doesn't, he's lying for somebody else. And that's just not a position that he, he should put himself in. Just Are you walk saying away. either way he's not the right guy because of that? Well, I'm just, say- I'm just saying... You know, I can't talk. I I lied for the team too. Like we, I, I guess, and you were getting paid a lot less payroll. money. Oh, I, yeah, but I was. I also didn't have millions of dollars in the bank right. because LeBron let me ride his coattails for years either. So, uh, I mean, it's easy for me to sit here, and it's easy for anybody. It's all relative, anyway. The more money you have, the more you need. Well, yeah, the more True. problems too. I get it. Well, I, no, you just have bigger mortgages, bigger car payments, mm-hmm. bigger this, bigger that. You don't actually have more money because you make more money. Your stuff's more expensive to Dave's point, so you might even have less money. That's true. You know what? Maybe I feel sorry for James Jones when we get to it. (laughs) Now that you have applied it to your own situation, you're realizing that maybe you're being a little harsh on James Jones. I just, I kind of like James Jones, man. I I do. I kind of like, I think that his... I love the the realization on Greg's face as he's sitting here. (laughs) Yeah, that came full circle real quick. Smack me in the face. James, if you need somebody to talk to and explain and, and, and commiserate, and uh, and tell you how I navigated through it. I'm here for you. We can talk. Five years, man. I I you know yeah, you're probably a hundred percent right so now that I think you. about it, Tim. I, but at this point, okay. Well, there's unless unless Woj's report is true, and I apologize if you have this on the roadmap for later in the show. But if Wo- Adrian Wojnarowski's report that the NBA is concerned about this franchise is true, the only hope now is, and I wrote about this on Brightside a while ago when I was doing my column there. Written on Brightside in a while, so it must be a while ago. I, I haven't. I have a, I have a life, and this is the only thing I get to do outside of that. But Thanks. <laughs> I wrote about it. Uh, Adam Silver has to step in. That's the only hope at this point. If... Uh, uh, if that's where we're at, so who if, who would who would Adam Silver step in with? I don't know though. I mean, he no. Can't... I was talking to Bob Young, uh, former and and Evan Sidery as well, but Bob Young, a former uh, beat writer for the Suns, and who's been around the league for a long time, and and, <clears throat> and we were we were talking a little bit about who Robert Sarver would put in, 
excuse uh, at at Adam Silver's direction. And it would have to be an older, semi-retired executive who isn't looking for the upward mobility career path, but wants to go in and be a voice in Robert's ear and a voice in the GM's ear to try to help nudge things along. There are guys all over the league like this. There's um, Rod Thorne, who's been in and out of positions like that. Jerry Colangelo himself, which obviously Sarver would never do. Um, there's been uh, Stu Jackson types that have gone in and out of league offices to teams, back to league offices. Um, and so that if you're going to have somebody who's actually um, help, uh, assigned to help out with the Suns, it would be someone like that. And, and the name we kind of alighted on, although there's zero rumors about this, but uh, Donnie Wall should be a nice kind of guy to bring in. He's been retired for a few years, and and but he's got still got tons of connections in the league, and that's the kind of guy that would come in to to help basically grandfather around the team, and and possibly talk Bob Sarver into doing things that you know, he wouldn't have otherwise done with a whippersnapper telling him to do it. Um, I think the Suns tried it a little bit with Lon Babby, but that was at Robert Sarver's choice. That wasn't at the league's choice. The league would pick somebody not related to the Suns. Also, probably not affiliated with Jerry Colangelo either, like uh, Bob Young throughout Al Bianchi, <laughs> who used to work for the Suns for many, many, many years in lots of different capacities, but he's such a Colangelo guy that wouldn't work. But there's got to be guys out there. And so if, this, if Adam Silver is going to name someone or help Bob Sarver pick someone to advise the Suns in in a similar role to Jerry Colangelo doing it for the Sixers a couple of years ago to get them out of their constant process and into um, the actual finishing the process and and becoming a playoff team. It's going to be someone like that. And the, you just got to hope it's not someone awful. The difference is uh, I don't Philly's ownership wanted to win like and and wanted to figure out a way to do wants to win i don't know anymore if he did why would you continue to do the same thing over and over for a decade well he doesn't he's he's stubborn and the problem is to win he would rather win 50 games and and have playoff revenue the problem is if if the league steps in and puts somebody into uh, into takeover Robert Sarver's not going to listen to him. We've seen it. Who, who? He hasn't listened to anybody. He had Steve Kerr here. He ran him out. Uh, he had Alvin Gentry here, who knew what he was talking about. He ran him out. He had Mike D'Antoni here. He ran him out. He's not going to listen to somebody, especially if it's forced on him. So the league's going to have to cut him out of the process can, uh, completely. They're not. That's a boy. It's an old boys club. Which These are not, billionaire club. This is and billionaire that, boys club. They're I not going to run each other out. And that the was only time my point. Ever done it is with racism issues or abuse issues and shit like that. And Robert doesn't do that stuff. And that was my point right there. So it's not going to matter because they're not going to do anything that's going to remove the real problem. You can put somebody in here as a figurehead to try to convince him to do things differently, but we've seen it. He's going to do what he wants to do. So this is going to be a perpetual problem unless he decides to change something. On that note, I do want to go ahead and thank a supporter of the show. So if you're watching YouTube, listening on your podcast app and you click the show notes, um, you will see something that says support the podcast and you can do a $1, a $5 or a $10 option. Uh, we do have a $10 option that was done. If you do a $10, I'll send you some sun swag. So Matthew Van Hoos, and I do believe that we uh, shouted you out last week, but uh, thank you again. I still don't have your address information, so you got to hit us up on the Twitter or the Facebook and give me your address. Otherwise, I can't send you that swag. Also, Jacob Brogner, um, he did a $10 option, and I actually went to the post office during my lunch break. And I stood in line for about 35 minutes. I got to the front of the line just to realize that I did not have my wallet. So it has not been sent oh, no. out yet. <laughs> Poor was... Tim. At least you tried, man. It's it, the thought that counts. It was the most Tim thing in my life to happen to me. <laughs> but no, th- thank you guys very much for the support. We appreciate that. And then also a <clears throat> listener made us a very cool new logo, Arby. 
We're supposed to talk about it here? <laughs> well, I mean, you could, or you could just let me do all of this. I thought that you're talking about the logo uh, that looks like it's got that shield that's on a crest. Yeah, you just made it for it us. It looks pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's it's really, it's so cool that we can just talk about it as people are listening to this podcast, and they can, they'll be able to envision it in their in their minds. I'm just happy any fan enjoys actually listening to us so much that they wanted to put in work because we rarely put in work to do this show. And then he actually went to the work of, uh, of doing some graphic design. Do you know how much work I put into editing this damn show? Yeah. I was going to say, Greg, you're the only one who doesn't put any work into this show. Oh, Dave, what, when have you done anything (laughs) outside? I've got to record commercials for the show after this. All right. So it's, I was really looking your direction when I said that. <laughs> so it's like Tim way up here, Greg a little above me, and then me. No, Dave has to do our posting on Bright Side of the Sun. I do go to the effort of posting no, okay. on Bright Side of the Sun. We and that's where we get a lot of our listens, by the way. Mm-hmm. So, man. Maybe not for long. <laughs> so, again, thank you so much, Matthew, Jacob, and Arby. We do appreciate you guys. Uh, so I thought it was great Harvey. that last week, we have the meats. last week on the show, Espo had said how little the Suns were getting out of Tyler Johnson, and yeah. then of course the minute we post the episode, we Tyler Johnson, over, John. <laughs> goes but off. then he did it again Friday night. He did. He did. Uh, he did. <laughs> but I still thought it was comical, and I guess I just wanted to kind of double back on that. Besides the offense. Um, he is a really, really good pick and roll defender, which is exactly what this team needs. His passing is honestly pretty good. It's better than anything the Suns have right now. Um, I think he's been a breath of fresh air. Uh, shout out to James Jones for somehow getting something out of Ryan Anderson, even if they did wave Wayne Ellington, uh, stupidly, but, um, Espo, do you want to retract your statement or would you still not like to have Tyler Johnson and prefer Dragon Bender over Rashawn Holmes? A breath of fresh air? What, are, what the hell are you talking about? Their point guard the position win, has right? still sucked. They won one game. Congratulations on that. Tyler Johnson has had one good offensive game. Two, uh, two good offensive you games. You should pay attention more. I, it's Instead tough of to pay your old stale taste. But I mean, the the it's ball movement, the team. ball movement has been better. The the pick and roll defense has been better. It's it's been nice to have a competent you know, point guard yeah. on the floor. You know I'm not saying he's a starter. Impressed with this week is Mikkel Bridges. Have you on his passing? Yes, that dude has suddenly decided that he is going to be uh, a pick and roll an attack passer where. Uh, most of the Suns this year have been have been telegraphing just about every pass they make all around the perimeter and and telegraphing uh, feeding into the post to Aiton. A lot of it has been dribble, stop, look around, pass. Mikel Bridges has gotten really good at the attack and dish, and uh, it's it's just shocking that there's an NBA player on the Suns team that actually is doing the attack and dish. Um, in traffic and getting the ball to the right guy for an open shot. Um, and Mikel Bridges could have had another six or eight assists on Friday night against the Pelicans. The Suns players just missed their uh, too many shots. I think he only ended up with three assists, maybe four. Uh, but he was really good again. And I'm just looking forward to watching Mikel Bridges' progression over the next few years. Tim, I feel like to take one step back, and then I, I, I agree with you on Mikel Dave, but to, to take one step back, Tim, I think you have lowered the bar so much on what you want out of anybody handling the ball on this team after watching what we have over the last two years that Tyler Johnson being average at best all of a sudden has gotten you excited. It's not Tim lowering the bar. It's Robert Sarver lowering <laughs> here's, the bar. Here's the thing. All right, so we've been watching second-round pick rookie point guards. For like right. two years. G League. Yes. <laughs> Off the street point guard. Isaiah Kanan was People our best were point guard. To Isaiah Kanan coming back. I love Isaiah. He's a great guy. But he's, sure he's not a pleasant. dude you should be looking forward to as your starting point guard. Look, and I I get why somebody serviceable <laughs> is making you happy. The point is it shouldn't be a point of excitement. And great. 
if Tyler Johnson were making $5 million, I think he would have been a steal. But he's not making $5 million. He's making $20 million. Yeah, but they, that's they, a problem. Yes, I don't mean— do the, Don't do the math of, well, you know, Ryan Anderson— do I, I, I get that point. But the, the thing is, I'm just looking at it in totality, and Tyler Johnson is a nice bench guy, is, is a guy that— Obviously, is has an NBA level skills to be in the league, which we haven't been able to say about guys playing point guard. But not let's not act like this is this is some great player that was added to this roster. He's taken it from well below, uh, you know, uh, replacement right, player right, yeah, to yeah, replacement let's, player. Let's lighten the mood a little bit here. Um, one of my favorite things that I heard this week is from Kelly Oubre, who was an incredibly genius acquisition by James Jones midseason. Oh, oh, great! I, I love, I love okay. me some Oubre, but I swear to God, that guy misses so many shots. He just, yeah, needs he to, does. He, does. he just but needs to me, take five just, less shots a game. Let me just tell five. my story. Mm-hmm. Let me tell my story. You mean? Uh, Tim, by the way, just to finish that up, you mean five less missed shots, right? No, because if he only he makes shoots... five out of 16, if he takes five less, he can go for 11. Yeah, you mean shoot... the missed ones, right? Yeah, he just oh. needs to shoot less. Okay. Um, but anyway, my one of my favorite quotes this week, and I'm going to paraphrase it because I don't have the actual quote here, and that's kind of boring to read a quote anyway. Um, uh, he was getting a lot of heckling on Monday night in Miami uh, from um, – I forget the name of the little crowd, but it's basically the Miami Crazies, uh, where they where they really heckle opposing players, and they chose to heckle Kelly Oubre. And he made a couple of big threes against him, and 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 even turned around at one point and and said something to the crowd, so you know he he could hear them. So he was interviewed later in the week saying, "What'd you what'd you think about those those fans on on Monday in Miami?" He said, "Oh, I love I love it I love it I, I think that's great I love getting the attention. You know, deep down they love me." Because otherwise, why would they focus on me instead of somebody else? And if they don't love me, you know their girlfriends do. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's spectacular. I, I just thought it was great. Either they love me or their girlfriends do. <laughs> he's confident. Well done, Kelly. He's accurate. <laughs> is is Kelly Oubre the second best player him. on the Suns? He's the best looking. That's all that matters. Hey, Devin Booker ain't no bad looker either. Yeah, he's, he's an attractive man. He's like Puerto Rican, man. He's, he's all right. But regardless, we're talking about basketball play, not whether or not they can get some. Is he no, the second best player I, on the Suns? I still think DeAndre Ayton is the second best player on the Suns. Oh, yeah, absolutely. This, this year? Yes. Yes. Oh, God, here we go with the Ayton hate. Come on, go for it. It's not any Ayton hate. You're hating? You're hating? You're hating on Aiton. I'm not hating on Aiton. So, okay, so you think that DeAndre Aiton has been the second best player in the Suns. Fine. Uh, does that make Kelly Oubre the third best player on the Suns this year? Yeah. Uh, in the absence of TJ Warren, yes. I think he was, he's was. he been better than TJ Warren. Do we think that explains why the Suns have 12 wins out of 62 <laughs> games? Yes. Right. <laughs> Have we got to the bottom of what mysterious illness T.J. <laughs> Warren has had? No. Uh, this dude has weirder well, things Well, at least it's not another out. mysterious head injury. T.J. Warren has no missed comment. 33% of uh, the games that he's been eligible to play since coming into the league. Also, Devin Booker with these injury reports, I feel like the Sun should just put out something along the lines that says, Devin Booker, questionable for tonight's game for some weird injury no one knew he had before that's probably a little bit minor, not really a big deal. It would be great if the Sun's uh, communications actually had Devin Booker questionable, and then in parentheses, insert injury here, you know, and then they tweet that out at some point. Yes, that's what I mean. Uh, Because even last night, even last night, uh, Booker uh, drove to the the hoop, and as he was losing the ball, trying to regain control of the ball, he ran and clipped his his, one of his fingers on one of the cameras uh, um, being used baseline for video. And he comes, he comes up lame, and he's holding his hand, and he's got to get the the uh, injury timeout and and stop the bleeding. And I'm just like, oh lord, here we go, another injury. And he had a big toe injury this week after having a big toe injury three months ago for stubbing his toe on the 
this is what he says anyway, stubbing his toe on the corner of the bed in his hotel room as he was getting ready to go make a public appearance. I mean, yeah, that's exactly what happened, Devin. Just like Josh Jackson <laughs> had a family emergency and had no access to his phone for three hours while he was tweeting or Instagramming about being at Fogo de Chao. Hey, I, I'm pretty sure Devin at least fought through the injury and showed up at the event, though. That's the difference here, right? Yeah, uh, uh, yeah exactly. <laughs> he just missed a half a dozen games. Oh, that's all right. I mean, who cares about the games as long as he's showing up at the events, right? Uh, well, tell Josh Jackson. So the Suns... Josh Jackson ended the game on Friday night, and a, a fan right behind me yells, "Hey, Josh, you showed up!" <laughs> <laughs> Zero F. Yeah, I mean, right? he didn't show up to play. He just showed up. Right, he showed up. He just didn't play. <clears throat> so know, it would have been good if he had just shown up at Fry's. The Suns are thirtieth uh, in the league this year at allowing opponents to shoot the highest percentage of their shots around the rim. 41% of opponent shots are coming at the rim. Again, that puts them for 30th in the league. And opponents on those shots are shooting around 64%, which puts the Suns around 23rd in the league. Um, really good. At clearly, DeAndre Ayton is not a rim protector. So it, how important well, is it? It's also this possible isn't, because they're playing six, seven, 200 pound guys at every other freaking position. Not, well, let, let me let me finish with my with my. <laughs> You, but you can't you can't no, but let start me, with just just say there's okay, there's two options here there's two options all right so one and clear you cannot say that deandre Ayton's a good rim protector you just can't you cannot and i'm not knocking him for not being that's not the type of player he is so there's two things that need to happen for the suns team to improve significantly on a defensive end and that is either deandre Ayton needs to become wildly better at rim protection which is possible he could do it wildly. he's 20 years old or or the Suns need to put in a defensive-minded power forward next to him. Which one is more important and or more likely to happen? I think it's both. I think he needs to get better, but they need to give him help. I mean, when Kelly Oubre and TJ Warren and Josh Jackson are your options at power forward next to you, of course you're gonna ha- you're gonna wind up looking worse because you have nobody that's helping you out at all it's also true that that um teams are pretty good at now yes uh tim i agree with you deandre Aiden does not contest enough shots at the rim absolutely that's 100 percent true um it's also true though that he gets uh, he gets switched and defended out to the perimeter and the only guys in there to defend the rim most at least half the time are the little guys because um he'll get he'll get put into a pick and roll He'll get stuck on the point guard on the roll because they switch everything. And then all of a sudden, the only guys defending at the rim are Kelly Oubre and Josh Jackson. Yes, that's that's absolutely part of it. And that's at least half of those. Okay. Tim's rolling his eyes for anybody who's actually just <laughs> listening to the podcast. If I, you I, actually I, watch... There is watch some that, vali- the there. I, well, I watch the games, so I understand I don't need to watch replays. But there is validity to it that he does get switched out a lot, uh, which has to do with the way that the Suns cover uh, their pick and roll, which is part of the reason I've actually really liked Tyler Johnson, because when Tyler Johnson is in the game, for the most part, DeAndre Aiden is not getting switched out on those guards on the perimeter because Tyler Johnson is a much better pick and roll defender, even if offensively he has games where he's just garbage. That's that is a fair and positive assessment of Tyler Johnson. I do not disagree with you there. I know I seem like I I hate Tyler Johnson and I don't. He is he, he is very good uh, in that situation. I just I, I'm going to take a step back and I I get that DeAndre Ayton has flaws. We've talked about it and well, that but, wasn't a knock on DeAndre Ayton. That was just how do you address the the, Tim, the problem? Do you hear better? yourself? These are all knocks on DeAndre. Ayton. <laughs> okay. but I I just. I don't feel like any any of these rookies would have come into this uh, uh, this uh, situation uh, that to put it nicely and be able to have, have done much in terms of specifically defense, but but in general, I think they will, all would have had <clears throat> problems. DeAndre think, Ayton yeah. has been a guy that we knew ha- wasn't was going to have to work on defensive end, end things and. Who do we really think that the staff's in place to work with him on this? The systems in place for him to be better at this? That 
that anything about this situation uh, that we should have expected him to get that much better in an area where he had to grow with, with no nobody there to to really help him get better and no help from a power forward or or mostly guards all year that couldn't defend their own position. Yeah, no, DeAndre Aiden <clears throat> was put in um, an unnecessarily prime uh, defensive expectation situation this year, uh, which on one level is unfair to him, but on another level, DeAndre Aiden is not the guy who would have done well. I mean, he just wasn't going to defend well this year, and he's going to have to wildly improve his awareness and his his understanding of when to defend the rim and when not to and when to give help defense, even if he had been switched out on pick and roll and when not to. Absolutely, he's got to make a ton of ton of strides here. But um, Evan and Brendan had uh, a blogger from the Pelicans on their Locked On Suns podcast this week. He talked about the rookie year of Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis is um, did quickly become a defensive player of the year type and I'm not saying DeAndre Ayton can be, please don't take that. But Anthony Davis, by his third, fourth year, second, third, fourth year, became a really, really good defender. But even this blogger said, I remember his rookie year. His rookie year, he was he was um, hidden. He was not put on the other team's best defenders. He was not put in situation. He was played only power forward that year. He he obviously his 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 overall numbers were 13 and eight. Um, He's that Omar Sheik, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. He was, yeah, it was, it was really interesting. He's like, um, if you just compare rookie years, they're about similar in how they're being used, how they're being developed. Igor, unfortunately, has no choice but to make DeAndre Aiden the focal point on defense. The Pelicans had the ability not to have to do that when when uh, Anthony Davis was a rookie. That doesn't mean DeAndre Aiden is going to have that big jump in year two and year three defensively, and I certainly just don't expect it. Uh, but he will be get, he will get better rookies just don't know what the heck they're doing there's a reason mo bamba is hardly playing any minutes this year and that is not just because um uh vucevic is is playing at all-star level if mo bamba was ready to defend all the time they'd figure out how to get him on the court more uh there's a reason that jaron jackson was played at power forward most of the time this year until he got hurt with a quad injury he was going to end up being their center for the rest of the year after they traded marcus all um, but he wasn't their center most of the year. He was a power forward playing next to Gasol. Um, teams, if they're smart, hide a guy a little bit in, their, in his rookie year. That's what you can do e- much more easily with guards than you can with, with big men. And especially in the Suns case, it's this has been impossible. So uh, a lot of things have conspired to make him look as bad as this. And some of them are his own fault. Okay, I get that. Yeah. But uh, a lot of them are the roster's fault. Yeah, so so fixing it or uh, moving forward to make it not yeah, such a glaring both. hole. Give him a power forward that actually can do help defense, mm-hmm. roll to the rim, protect the rim. Um, you know, I, I threw out an Aaron Gordon type a little while ago. I know what Tobias Harris is exciting in terms of he could be another 20 and 7 guy. But you kind of already have that, except uh, he's a much better version. But you kind of already have that in a TJ Warren. He's a little better than TJ Warren. But he's not a rim protector, Tobias Harris. So you need a rim protector if you're going to bring in a power forward um, that that can play, um, and then who can play on the court at the same time as Aiden, and uh, and and also Aiden has to get better. So the answer is both to your question, Tim. I wholeheartedly agree with Dave. Because uh, I just re- said what Greg said first. I, I agree. <laughs> Would Tim's, you like Tim's to go on to something else, Tim? Great. Trade the son of a bitch, but you know, <laughs> I wasn't. That wasn't a knock on him. I was <clears throat> actually looking at cleaning the glass, and I was trying to figure out. I'm gonna put a poll up on Brightside and see if uh, what Tim says is not a knock on him. If anybody else thinks that's a knock on him, <laughs> well, what do you start off with? Does DeAndre Ayton just suck, or did they clearly power DeAndre Ayton is terrible? <laughs> I was, I was looking. I was trying to figure out. I was trying to to to, to figure out statistically what where the suns this year are so much worse than um they were last year and 
part of it has to do with defense. Well, most of it has to do with, with defense. If you're talking about like the Suns on an offensive level, their offense is better this year than it was last year. If you want to talk about like even in the half court, their points per possession this year are, have gone from 30th to 28th. So there's been a mild improvement there, right? Oh, uh, where, where they're averaging 103, or they were averaging last season 103.1 uh, uh, points per 100 possessions this season. It's 104.8, but their defense has gone back about three points. So the defense have got, has gotten worse while the offense has gotten mildly better. And then trying to figure out where the defense is worse. And the defense isn't worse protecting the three. The defense is worse specifically at the rim. DeAndre Ayton happens to be the guy that's at the rim, and that's where the question came from. It wasn't so, me looking for a knock on DeAndre Ayton. It was looking at the statistics, trying to figure out where the problem is. So what you're saying is you would rather have Alex Len at center than DeAndre Ayton. I see how you are, Tim. <laughs> no, let me, this is bullshit. I actually do have a question, though, and that was because I, oh, I was watching a game earlier this week, and I wanted to ask you guys, and I thought it would be interesting. Would you rather have DeAndre Ayton on this team or Steven Adams. DeAndre Steven Ayton. Adams. I would take Steven Adams for sure. Have you, oh, Greg, have you watched Steven Adams play defense? Because holy shit, it's good. Yeah, but hold on. Are we talking for the long term or just right now in a vacuum this year? In a, in a vacuum this year and a couple of years from which, which, which center would have the biggest impact for this current? Steven Adams, obviously, because he, He's been in the league. He gets it. He is a good defender. If we're talking long-term, I'd still rather have DeAndre Ayton over Steven Adams. But right. in the moment, yes, of course, Steven Adams. Sorry, I misunderstood the, the question. And I really thought you were going to go down the Alex Len, have Alex Len back or or have DeAndre Ayton. So no. I love Alex, but that's, not, that's no contest. No, no, no contest. Although watching Steven Adams play defense – as a center, uh, I just like, I want to take tape and just give it to DeAndre Look, Ayton gonna, and say, this yeah. is how you do it, man. If you're going to put a guy on an island, you know, you're going to want to do like the Suns have done with one big man and four littles. Um, I would definitely rather have a Steven Adams, Rudy Gobert, that kind of player. Well, Steven Adams specifically, he knows when to when and how to hedge pick and rolls. Oh, okay. I'd rather have Rudy Gobert over Steven Adams. Yeah. I'd rather have Prime Hakeem Olajuwon over both both of them. I mean, <laughs> great, we're gonna go there. Okay. Let's go there. Hey, let's Hakeem would have been incredible in today's league, by the way. Yeah, he would have. <clears throat> I mean, you know, I'd rather have Prime Shaq. Uh, I'd oh, rather have Luke Longley. Pick and rolls, Greg. Jesus, <laughs> just... and he couldn't shoot a three. I'm just go. I'd rather have Arvidas Sabonis. Like, are we just naming people like guys that were big that would that would be would be a, an upgrade right now? Like, Arvidas would be pretty good. Yeah, I know. Prime Arvidas back even, in his European days. Even the NBA Arvidas would be pretty good. Uh-huh. <laughs> Can we? How, how about we talk about John? Gavrilo? How about I'd rather have DeAndre Aiden than Jakob Pertle? Let's go with that one. Or Yaker Smirnoff. The, the, the... You want to talk or about Raff, uh, Gambo? What, what about yeah, Gambo you talk... want to talk about? Earlier in this week, he basically on air said that right before the Miami game, that Igor's job was on the line. Oh, if they had lost that night, he was God. he might get run. Like So much happened this week. I almost forgot about that. It was like, just like a week of shit. <laughs> well i was sitting here thinking is this last was that last week did we talk about that on the episode because so much has happened and yet nothing yeah. has happened what's you know? what's really sad is that um because well they won and so we don't know if igor was going to get fired after the game after they but but robert sarver has fired every other coach that way mm-hmm. he, he waits until the, he can't stand the losses and and mcdonough he, the timing of firing McDonough was because they had lost three preseason games in a row that prior week. The timing of firing Earl Watson is because they got blown out by 40-plus in a week. That wasn't why he fired Earl Watson. There's, there's a much, <clears throat> much worse story than that. Well, okay, but he has fired <laughs> Alvin Gentry. When he fired Alvin Gentry, it was after a terrible loss. Yes. Um, uh, 
Robert Sarver is reactionary to losses. And I think it's sad that a coach or a GM, but definitely a coach can be fired based on what you did in one 82nd of a season. Well, are we, yeah. Do we really believe that all of a sudden, well, they won that Miami game. Everything's good. Now, if you're, if you're, if you think that, that you're going to run the guy, that's not going to change it. Well, just do it. Right. Like that's what I was saying. It shouldn't matter. It shouldn't matter. The Miami game should not have mattered on Monday. They were either going to fire him on Tuesday with three days to name a replacement, or they weren't. It should yeah. have had nothing to do with what happened in that game. No, I like none whatsoever. And and I fully believe Gambo's report having a pretty good idea of how, uh, how he comes about this stuff and trusting the guy. I know he had some missteps this offseason, but he's not going to go out there with – with you know they might do this without having uh, knowledge of of what's going on he's not making that kind what, of thing up what was an interesting social experiment though is if you if you make an assumption that the players heard the rumor mm-hmm. they might not have because they were on the road and all that crap they might not have but if you make the assumption that the players heard the rumor that it's possible that igor's last game could have been monday night oh they heard it then Right. So if you make that assumption, then it was it was instructive or, or a social experiment for me to watch how the players reacted in that game. Devin Booker could have gone out and taken two shots all game mm-hmm. if he wanted Igor fired. If he knew there was a chance that all it took was one more loss to make a change at the coach. Uh, the players don't think the coach is the problem. They also don't know that he's the solution yet because they're 11 and 50 or 12 and 51. But um, they, they know he's not the problem also. Yeah, and and that's a great point. If they had, if they really were checked out on this guy, Devin Booker could have come up with a mi- mysterious uh, illness or injury, not played. They could have all just, just played like they had the previous, uh, you know, seventeen well, games. The, yeah. yeah look to at be the fair, I thought they started out the game that way. They ended up like it ended up being a really good competitive game, and they all came on. But there was a point which I thought Devin Booker was honing it in. Oh, no, I tweeted, too. What the heck is he doing? I, I didn't know what, quite what he was doing in that game. But um, he also later, after the game, the players were openly, without being prompted, saying that it was Booker who was riling everybody up on the sidelines and telling them to pass and play the right way and all that. And he's the one who willed them um, emotionally in that game. They gave him credit for that, and that's good because you need your leader to do that. Um, but you... Uh, you can't make Igor something he's not. And, and he's not a great motivator, but he's also not the problem. He's a really good coach. He just needs time. Um, and he may never get you know, great at in-game coaching. And you have to figure out, well, how do we mask for that? You know, how do we need a really strong lead assistant who's going to be the emotional jump around, yell at everybody guy if Igor is not going to be that guy? Um, but Igor is a really good player developer. I think we're going to look back on history, in history, and we're going to see that bringing DeAndre Ayton along slowly this year in terms of not asking him to do too much is going to end up benefiting Ayton. And I think um, giving Devin Booker an entire year to figure out how to be a leader, because if you're going to be the star that Devin Booker thinks he is and is being paid like he is, you need to be more of a leader than he's been. You know, maybe this year was is worth the pain because I see more coming out of this year. And Mikel Bridges, Igor purposely gave Mikel Bridges too few uh, responsibilities in the first two months of the season. He was clearly much better than the minutes he was getting. But now we're seeing a much better Mikel Bridges. And even though he doesn't have to score 15 points a game to make himself feel good, he's getting four, five, eight assists. He's getting a few rebounds. He's getting three or four steals a game. He's, that guy is all over the court defensively. Is, it's so fun to watch him. But the problem is right now, he's being also forced to defend the rim a lot, like I talked about earlier when DeAndre Ayton has switched out onto the perimeter, or Rishon Holmes, who's even worse at pick-and-roll defense and even worse at rolling back to the rim after he's been pulled 15 feet away. Um, then um, Mikel is being put out of position a little bit that way. But I really think we're going to look back on this and we're going to see that there was some development that happened this year as opposed to prior years. Oh, I I I agree. He is very good at player development. We talked about last week. They probably need a motivator in chief on his staff. That that's his job to do those. Alvin things. Gentry said that on Friday, by the way, when he was in and we were talking to him about Igor. He said the same thing. He's like, "Look, you're not going to get Igor to suddenly 
get a technical every game and, and defend your players and scream at the refs and all that. That's just not who he is. Can he get better? Yes. Can he can he fight harder for his players' sake? Yes. But what he really needs is exactly what you just said, Greg, and exactly what we were talking about last week is you need a motivator-in-chief on the sideline who will be that strong voice that the players react to. And and I think, I think if you understand the reality of who Igor is, you have to set him up for success like that, like we talked about. I I don't want to see him get run. If he does, I understand because they haven't been good this year. But if you do it, you better damn well have a plan in place, which we know they probably don't, to, <laughs> to, to bring in somebody experienced, do, do this thing in a different way, uh, and and actually be smart about it. And I don't think they will. I think it'll be very reactionary. They'll hire another guy that, you know, uh, the only name if you're going to go for a never having – been a head coach in the NBA before that I even want to hear discussed oh, is Dan Marley, no. just simply because of uh, of the history and and how I've seen him be able to fire guys. Up. I don't think but Dan would be able to do it. I don't think Dan. No, I mean I don't think Dan either. would take it. That's what yeah. I mean. I don't think he'd be able to leave. Take talk himself out of staying at GCU at this point. Why no, would I, anyone? Why would anyone go to the Suns? Why? I agree. Because it's one of 30 jobs in the league. That's why they keep getting people. But the people they're getting are the ones who've never been an NBA head coach before. So in that respect, Marley would probably think twice about it. But I don't know that he would leave GCU. He's got a heck of a good job. But that's the problem. This is is the conundrum. So stick with – if if you're going to have to go with a first-year, never-done-this-before guy anyways, you're probably not going to get much better than Igor. So stick with him. Yeah, Let stop. him grow. If that's gonna yeah, one of the things I was going to mention to um, Alvin, but um, there was a few people around. I didn't get a chance to jump in. But one of the reasons Steve Kerr was successful is not just because of his roster, but because his, his lead assistant his first year was Alvin Gentry for the offense. And I think it was Ron Adams on the defense, but he had it was one of those defensive wizard guys who, who really ran the defense. And he, and he had Alvin for the offense. That was his that was his lead assistance on his staff when he was a rookie coach. That's who that's the kind of people you need to be successful. Yeah, and it's just like any manager. You have to surround yourself with the people that make you look better and help fill in for your deficiencies. So do that. It, it, support this guy. If it, because you're not going to wind up with a great uh, seasoned veteran coach. Uh, so just support this guy and and figure out a way to grow with him and make it work. If they had run him, I, I like it would have been crazy again. It would have been insanity that it, you just blew him out after in, in this first season in a situation that wasn't tenable for anybody. Who the know? hell would have been the interim? A Prundy, right? Or, um, his, his lead assistant yeah. there, the guy yeah, from yeah. Milwaukee, right? Yeah, <laughs> Joe Prundy. He finished with Milwaukee last year and – at least um, uh, coasted them into the playoffs. Yeah. I think they lost in the first round. But um, uh, Prunty has led a team. But no, I don't think Prunty would be the right guy. I just don't know. I don't know if he's the right lead assistant either. I uh, just had but... an awful, awful thought. Okay. Is Jason Kidd? <laughs> no. No, Is... stop. No, I'm not. No, I'm stop. not saying. But think about it. They're looking for some kind of executive in the front office. No. And potentially a coach that's the kind of move they'll make they'll bring in a jason kid to check those boxes that's and he's a guy that has has made it clear he's he wants both kind of both roles no i agree but think about it <laughs> if if that's gonna if something's gonna happen this offseason doesn't that seem like more of a likelihood than anything else so earlier on this episode I had made a joke that uh, James Schoen said that they use YouTube, and Greg was like, maybe he did say it. I would believe it at this point. Uh, it's gotten to the point to where if James Schoen said, you know what, I'm going to take over as coach, I w- when, when, if they would have fired Igor, I would have thought, eh, it seems like something Suns would do. Talking about bringing in Jason Kidd, eh, why wouldn't they do it? That's where we're I, at. I, I am at a point where if you fire another coach – in a season, and I've said this on the show before, Robert Sarver should be forced to coach for the rest of the year. <laughs> he should, he should, and then they should, then they should uh, lose every game out so he can get fired. I just, if you're gonna do it, 
Good luck. Here you go. Actually, if you run another GM, good luck. Here you go. Just well, he is it. a GM. Be Jerry Jones. He doesn't. He doesn't but, need a GM. But own it. Be Jerry Jones. Just say I'm. I'm doing this. There was a there was a quote that he was Robert Sarver was considering hiring a president of basketball operations, uh, someone who was uh, seasoned and uh, had some experience running uh, an NBA front office. And I just thought he's thinking about this. He's considering it. But no well, interviews. He's started. being told to consider it, I right. think. I don't know that he actually wants to do it, like Greg said earlier on in, in today's podcast. But that the kind of guy they'll be bringing in would be somebody who the league office would support. Um, and it would be a guy we probably would not be excited about. Considering bringing in somebody to write the ship. It's considering you know it. You know what I loved was after the Woj report... All of a sudden, the next day, it leaked. Well, uh, Suns have begun interviews for for right. their new general man. Yeah, uh huh. Sure. <laughs> like Woj, Woj blows you guys out of the water, and then all of a sudden, it's oh, oh no, no, those reports. They no, no, guys, come on, really? Like, are we dumb? Do you really think we're falling for that? Or did you all did the, did the Woj report make them go? Oh yeah, we've had that on our to do list. Maybe we should start interviewing people for this. We did forget <clears throat> Imagine about them. That. Imagine them clearing house and putting Kevin McHale in front of the front in, in charge of the front office and Jason Kidd on the sideline. Nope. It's gonna be Jason Kidd is your head of basketball operations and your head coach with James Jones as your GM. No, man, Jamal Crawford. He's gonna be a uh, uh, Jamal will be no, you know what'll happen. Jamal will be the uh, assistant that they bring in behind uh, James yeah, Jones right. that then shanks James Jones a year from now when he gets <laughs> fired. That's how this system works. Have you not seen this? You know? I'd like it if they would bring Roddy Price here locally and have him full-time with the team. Uh, he's an advanced he's an advanced scout type, one of those part-time 10-plus scouts. Uh, Ronnie Price is, is employed by the team, by the way, right now. Um, I don't know how much he makes or how part-time the job is, but he was always an excellent guy, an incredibly good guy. Not that he should be out scouting college players, but uh, he definitely is a really, really good guy. <laughs> Are we at a point where we'd wish that on any of the guys that we like, though? Yes, because we still love this franchise, Gray, because we're getting up every Saturday doing a freaking podcast. I know, but I, I liked Ronnie Price. I don't want to put him in the meat grinder that is that. You know? Can you like, imagine how player-friendly, like, like players only on TNT, you know, if, if James Jones, Ronnie Price, and Jamal Crawford were the front office for the Suns? Dude, I'd be so okay with it, cool. honestly. You just That'd be cool. At least, at least it would help you with player relations. I still want Jared Dudley. I don't Let's... see them. I don't see them putting Jason Kidd on the sidelines, though. No, Jason you, Kidd you... is not a player-friendly coach. No, this is true. He yeah. wasn't even a player-friendly player. He he wasn't a media-friendly player. He wasn't a wife-friendly no, husband. Yeah, he was, <laughs> he's just not. He's just not he a nice guy. Friendly. Yeah. He just wasn't not friendly. Friendly. <laughs> he wasn't friend-friendly. <laughs> so on that Dude, note, hold on, play. One thing, players only. There is not a worse concept in television than players only broadcast. It's a I cannot stand it. I'd rather I'd rather them give a fans only broadcast where they brought in celebrity fans and normal fans to do the broadcast than players only. And uh, yeah. like anything other than give me ambient sound for an entire broadcast. <laughs> trying to remember the uh, sequence, but there was a there was a player the players really wanted to prop up, and he had just just shit the bed 10, 10 series in a row, 10 possessions in a row. And then he made one good shot and they actually cut that into a highlight and said, there he is taking over the game. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, I just watched the last five minutes of this game, pal. <laughs> he is not taken over. <laughs> yep. That's players only broadcasting right there. Paul Pierce is getting pudgy. What oh my god, doing? I swear to god. Uh it might not have been, but I think it was Nigel Knight who was at a, at uh the game last night sitting on the sidelines before it started. I'm pretty sure it was because I kind of remember the face. Uh or it's somebody who ate Nigel Knight. It's one of those two things, uh, because this person was much bigger than the one I remember. So maybe he's uh the man of many faces too. He could have just put Miguel Neil Knight's face on himself. I it, honestly though. If you were an NBA player and your entire life you had to be in the peak shape, 
and and it was demanded of you. Once you retired, wouldn't you say, at the very least, I'm going to take two years where I'm just going to eat like anybody. I'm going to enjoy myself a little bit and not have to deal with it. I don't judge. This doesn't mean as much coming from you, Greg. Fair enough. (laughs) (laughs) But speaking of somebody with many faces, now I'm thinking about Game of Thrones, which starts up again next month. Hey, I'm on season number one right now, episode eight. Are you serious? Nerds. Yeah. Are you serious? You're only on season one. I've been uh, I've been putting it off until I didn't have anything else to watch. Oh God, you're such a loser. You should have been watching this for years, years. It's a great show. I know. I'm watching it. I can't oh, so you, have HBO. you seen? Is Ned still alive? I don't know. Right now, I'm at the point where there's do like you don't there's 400 different people, and I'm just memorizing names because there's all these stories going on at the same time. It's it's a, it's a, it's a difficult show. Okay, so no. I'm on season 1. Ask me on season 6. I think uh, I think the answer is yes. Well, not to give it away, but now whoever this Ned guy is is going to die. <laughs> I think pretty much everybody dies. At some dies point everyone dies. Right. <laughs> no, in seriously, general. This is the greatest thing about this show is that yeah. nobody is safe and they just have new characters take over. It's great. Um, so yeah, so don't get attached to anybody. Okay. Okay. That's, that's a good advice for life too. And as a Suns fan, don't get attached to anybody. Well, I mean, you get traded or get fired. Don't get attached. Okay. So every relationship, if you want to bring it to to females and and love life, uh, has two options, right? One person is either going to leave heartbroken or dead. And that's the end oh of it. Those God. are your two options. There's a, there's no. no other one. Yeah, there is. What? People can just fade out and become best friends. <laughs> Cryo- cryogenically frozen. <laughs> that's another option, oh, right? Okay, well, somebody's still <laughs> dead. Either either you're the dead one or you have to deal with the person you love the most in your life is dead. That can happen. Oh. Or someone can end up heartbroken. Those are two this, outcomes. This is really sad. And to bring this back to the Suns, I have I am heartbroken. The Suns are dead, and uh, and I'm here left trying to pick up the pieces with you guys. So we'll yeah. all be here relationships. I just there's there's not a chance that I'm going to go into this off season talking about the next season when we're doing our previews, saying that the Suns are going to win 30 games. I'm not going to be optimistic. <laughs> okay. We're hedging our bets. That's fine. Every, I was, I was the only one who had us down in the 20s, I think, this year, this offseason. Hey, I think we both said uh, the only way they'd get to the uh, to the win total that we were saying was if they had a point guard. So I think we we're all covered that they never got that. So I'm really looking we... forward to July 15th when we're wondering when they're going to acquire their point guard. <laughs> I can't wait. Well, they have one. Tyler Johnson. In the off season, you know we're going to tear that apart, and we're going to be wondering: Are there are there any day now from acquiring the point guard of the future? They can't possibly go into next season without a better point guard than Tyler Johnson. That's what we'll be saying, starting around the tenth of July. Are we going I to start not... talking about the draft at any point, or are we just going to exclude that from this year's uh, this season? Uh, we are good. we're scouting the draft as much as James Jones is. You just got done listening to the solar panel. For more great Suns content, check out the Timeline podcast for stuff like this. There's no way that Hakeem Olajuwon makes his own pancake. <laughs> I'm really sorry that you just made a great coherent point and that's all I had to respond with, but it, all it did was lead me to look up the fact that Hakeem Olajuwon made $110 million in his NBA career and God knows how much since then. He easily has someone at his ranch to make his pancakes, right? That's The Timeline, a Phoenix Suns podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play.